Welcome to Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the psychological challenges that many successful women entrepreneurs face while building their businesses and how they have overcome them. Hello, I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and I'm very happy to welcome today's to today's shows, Shala. Welcome, Shala. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Leslie. I'm excited. Um, I'm going to share with our audience something, some of your really inspiring background. Uh, Shala Bisharat is a co-founder and CEO of Naked Poppy, a clean beauty company. She previously served as CMO and VP of Marketing at Amazon, OpenTable, Upwork, and Evenbrite. Shala speaks and writes frequently, primarily on topics of concern to women. A graduate of Harvard College and Harvard Business School, Shala also serves on the boards of Novi, Skillshare, and Wealthfront. Shala, can you... You, you have a very inspirational and moving upbringing. Would you share a little bit with your listeners about your growing up? Sure. You know, um, I, will, I, will, I will tell the anecdote that most affected me looking back so many years later mm-hmm. that really defined my outlook um, about both success and how to live life. Mm -hmm. So when I was, I grew up in Iran. I'm Iranian. um, Mm -hmm. And um, I grew up at a time where a lot of girls were destined for marriage. But my parents were actually different. They, you know, they had higher aspirations for me. I had higher aspirations for myself and they supported me. But I remember them saying um, something that turned out to be really, um, really prescient. Uh, which we didn't expect at the time, which was even as a young girl, my my dad especially used to say, you know what, anything can be taken from you, anything, your home, your your money, you know, anything material. The one thing that nobody can ever take away is what's in your mind. Mm-hmm. Well, that was inspiring in and of itself. But what happened actually in 1979, the Iranian revolution occurred. I was in college. And actually, we did lose everything. Hmm. Um, it was just a stunning moment to wake up and realize everything was gone because my family fled. And so actually, it, it and it was a terrifying experience, by the way, when that happened, mm-hmm. because I was in college. Yeah, you can imagine, I didn't know if my tuition could get paid, you know, um, I you know, cried my way into a combination of scholarship and loan and I got a job. Um, But it really reinforced that the only thing you take with you is what's in your mind. And so after that, first of all, no problem has ever seen as big to solve, meaning I feel Mm -hmm. like I can use my mind to solve anything, but also this notion of always being a student and always learning more. I think has been, you know, a really defining aspect of who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it also sounds like um, 
you've been able to maintain a lot of the teachings and uh, of your father as you went forward in life and not losing that, which must have felt very uh, grounding in a lot of ways. I would, I would say yes. Yes. Important to, or influenced how you were able to move forward and have the successful career that you had um, in the, in, in Silicon Valley? I think so. I mean, one interesting thing, you know, I, Never thought of it this way until you mentioned it just now, but I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> people, you know, a lot of young women come to me and say, you must have had a lot of goals for your career. How did you, you know, set them and achieve them? If you want to know the truth, I had a completely unplanned career. Mm. I never said I need to be a VP by this age, or I want to be a CEO by that stage, or I need to earn, you know, none of that. And I do wonder how much of it comes from, and really this occurred to me the, for the first time just now, from having the rug pulled out from under us right. and thinking, you know what, I, I'm not going to. So, so basically the approach I took was I find work that I love with people I love. And then once I'm there, I find a way to love the job that I have. Mm -hmm. Because of course, nothing is perfect. Mm -hmm. But if you find a way to love it and you bring a positive problem solving energy to it, it's pretty miraculous how actually your career um, has positive moment momentum just from that. And that's part of the success, I should say, the benefit of having the rug pulled out from under you. In hindsight, yes, I think so. Mm -hmm. Because it also just left me with so much perspective. As I said earlier, no problem seems that monumental when your entire world has crumbled at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. You know, something mm -hmm. is going wrong at work. And I say to myself, today's a new day. I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. We'll mm -hmm. figure it out. Even if we can't, what's the worst that could possibly happen? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because in some ways, the worst happened already. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What can you share with our listeners a little bit about leaving a very successful career in Silicon Valley and then opening your own um, company? What kind of drove you to do that? You know, it's interesting. And that's another one where there was never a plan to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But what actually happened was this, you know, in parallel with my career, I mean, as, as a person, mm -hmm. I was always really interested in clean living. I'm that person that has, you know, organic plants in my backyard that I like to cook from, you know, that kind of thing. And I, um, started using clean beauty products. That is products with um, chemicals that are mm -hmm. not harmful versus mm -hmm. those that are. Mm -hmm. um, long before clean beauty became a trend. And I realized one day that the formulations were getting better and better and that it no longer had to be a compromise. In other words, clean products were becoming just as good as conventional beauty products. And what ended up happening was I went to the, my local farmer's market for a couple of weekends and sat there and I did some blind testing with women who walked by, asked, you know, I did some market research essentially on the ground and realized that my hypothesis was correct. Mm -hmm. um, and what happened was it was just an idea I could not let go of. Like mm -hmm. here I was in my fifties and for the first time ever, there was something that really motivated me enough to say, oh boy, I'm going to do that crazy thing of, you know, trying to make a dent in the universe mm -hmm. with a company of mm -hmm. my own. And mm -hmm. that's what it was. It was the actual um, 
notion that I couldn't let go of that, mm-hmm. you know, my, the, the, the market need that I knew was real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about clean living. What is it that kind of stands out to you as important enough for you to want to develop a company around that? Yeah, I love that question. <laughs> well, I mean, we only have one life and our health is really fragile and really important. But more, just as importantly, the environment is really fragile and it actually does come back to our health as mm-hmm. individual, you know, individually and as a community. And if we don't leave this earth in, in good shape for the next generation, they're just going to pay the price, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then of course, you know, a broader definition, I mean, our definition of clean includes being kind to animals mm-hmm. and also making sure that anything we produce and consume is ethically made. Right. Um, I mean, what do we live for other than to make, you know, companies that make the world a better place? I often uh, review, you know, view cynically, but actually in this case, um, there's a lot of consumption that's pretty blind. And I'm really proud to be part of a movement that's not just naked poppy. Of course, it's getting bigger and bigger of companies that allow us to live our values. Mm -hmm. What, if anything... Does it have to do with your story of having been uh, an Iranian college student who woke up one day and found out that the revolution had taken place and your life shifted overnight? Um, that's a really good question. I think some of it was just having developed a lot of empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're essentially a refugee, obviously I was in college, so I wasn't sitting in a refugee camp, but you know right. what I mean. Um, you know, I mean, there is no such thing as a displaced person who I don't have sympathy with. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, Leslie, when I, this was, I felt quite ripped off when this happened, but I got diagnosed with breast cancer 12 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. The reason I say I felt it was unfair is because I had been eating so well and sleeping, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the quote, the right things. And it still struck me. Um, luckily we caught it early, but it, you know, it's that call nobody wants to get. Right. And so it really caused me to double down on what are we doing to our environment? And Mm -hmm. do we need to be consuming, in this case, you know, products we put on our bodies that um, are not vetted Mm -hmm. for our health? Mm -hmm. So both of those had a huge impact. Yeah. And I also get the sense that you grew up being really grateful for the, maybe for the teachings of your father in terms of knowing that education you can't lose, but also maybe taking care of your body in a healthy way is the best way to control, quote unquote, um, going forward and being able to stay the person that you want to stay. Yeah, that's a really good way of summarizing it. I mean, I will tell you that I, you know, I live in my calendar. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, but it's basically, no. it's, well, it's actually a really helpful concept that I, um, I can't remember who I learned it from, but credit to whoever it was, because I didn't come up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this idea that either the night before or the morning of before you start your work, instead of just going in and reacting to all the fires that have come your way via email or whatever, you block out your day, not only mm-hmm. meetings, but think time or I need to get this done. You know, it's kind of weighing on me, but it's important. Let me proactively Mm -hmm. put it on my calendar. Mm -hmm. And it has two benefits. One is it forces you to proactively decide what matters most. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it time bounds things. 
So like if something really only deserves half an hour, it gets half an hour. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it isn't allowed to spill out. It's, it, it's a great um, framework for productivity. But um, the reason I brought it up is I actually add in things like my workout. It's like mm -hmm. a move that cannot be missed. Mm -hmm. It's just not mm -hmm. an option because a strong, healthy body right. is actually critical to a productive, successful life. Mm -hmm. Not to mm -hmm. mention, mm -hmm. it just makes me feel better. Right. And had you flown off the handle when you learned about what what had happened to your family in 1979, maybe, maybe we'd be having a different conversation today. But instead, you were able to really successfully organize and plot through one day at a time to get to a place where you really felt like you could be stable and, and competent again in a world that you had as much control over as you possibly could, which we can't have 100%. That's right. That's fair. Yes. Um, let me ask you a little bit about coming to the U.S. as a 17-year-old and attending a U.S. university must have been a cultural awakening. Did you ever struggle fitting in as a college student? Yes and no. Meaning, of course, I totally did. I should tell you, I had been born in England. And when we were very little, when I was very little, we lived in Canada. So I wasn't I hadn't forgotten um, the Western world, but this is what happened. I, when I came here, I felt very Iranian, very Middle Eastern. And when I'd go home for the summer, I'd feel American, you know, mm -hmm. like a little bit, you know, out of place in both places because the other side of me would be emphasized. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the sense of a yes. And there were plenty of cultural differences I, that were, you know, I had to learn a new culture. However, it was super interesting. I was so grateful for this education that mm -hmm. I was getting in school that I noticed that I was much more, um, um, I was getting a lot out of it. And this feeling of gratitude really began there. And I think has been with me, you know, this combination of I got to go to this university, you know, which wasn't um, taken for granted, mm -hmm. flying all the way from Iran. I got a mm -hmm. really great education, you know, mm -hmm. then I learned to be grateful for having been able to get all the way through and get a job and, you know, continue to support myself and all of that. And so gratitude got built into me pretty early. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have found that it carries me through so many days because when you have, you know, when you're just grateful for like today, I was thinking, how lucky am I to do a It's not even a job to me. It's Monday morning and I'm excited. I'm excited to talk mm -hmm. to you, Leslie. I'm excited mm -hmm. for my entire day. And so it shifts um, It shifts the nature of work. And, and it just, you know, there's just a positive energy about it that I think um, makes it more fun for me and hopefully for the people around me as well. Well, and it also kind of sustains you through the hard times after 1979, it sounds like. Big time and nothing yeah. compares. So mm -hmm. and where do you think if you, if you know, where does the gratitude come from that you've so successfully listened to and had drive your life? It could be that I experienced it when I got to school and then I experienced it again when I was able to finish school and I experienced mm -hmm. it again. And I realized that that feeling um, was healthy for me and healthy for people around me. Mm -hmm. I will mm -hmm. tell you, I have observed, there are also people I know who always find a way to hate their job. 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, why would you do that either to yourself or to the people around you? You know, and I'm thinking of one person in particular who just hasn't been very successful, although she's very, very smart. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 I, I sort of made that connection that it's mm-hmm. better for me and better for mm-hmm. whatever I'm doing. I, early, my first job out of college, I worked at a consulting firm called Bain & Company. I will never forget this. Mm-hmm. I was really the least qualified person, honest to God, that they took that <laughs> because I had not studied math. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a very um, technical, you know, math oriented, it's, it's a, it's business consulting, right? So, and there was this one woman from MIT who was everything I wasn't. She knew how to run regression and now she knew everything. I, you know, I didn't, I, I was really struggling to keep up and learn what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I, you know, I was up for this project and I noticed a note on the boss's desk and I not going to lie, I couldn't help but glance at it. <laughs> um, and it basically said, you know, you could pick Jalet. She's got a better attitude, but she's not as qualified. Oh boy. Um, mm-hmm. or you can pick this other woman. She's way more qualified. Um, and I thought that was that. Mm-hmm. And I got, I got picked for it. And I worked 24 seven to catch up, but it stuck in my mind that you can always learn the technical side of the job, but your attitude is always um, something that, and I've, you know, in my own, now that I'm sort of hiring people, I will always hire for positive attitude Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and hunger to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it comes across really, as we spoke in earlier before this podcast, there is a real sense of positivity and, you know, you know, probably from all the the readings on what helps people be successful is also to be that person who's positive in a room and to add that kind of sense of hope and optimism, not without, not disclaiming that it's not easy. I mean, to, to talk about it being not easy, but the sense of really having a positive attitude. It is, it is absolutely amazing how culture gets set at the top, whether it's of a company or mm-hmm. a department or even a little team mm-hmm. and your demeanor defines their demeanor. Right. And your um, reaction to bad news, every company has it, hiccups or worse, disastrous news has everything to do with how they experience it. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, you shared with me that sometimes you've had this fear of being alone. Can you talk a little bit about this and how you've tried to overcome it? A fear of being alone. I'm trying to remember what I might have said. A fear of having to do it all on your own. Oh, you know, um, maybe it's a little bit more a sensibility that, okay, that, yeah, um, okay. that I need to kind of be the little engine that could because that's exactly exactly what happened right back back when I was 19 and Mm -hmm. all of that um yeah so okay so now that I understand it that way (laughs) I will tell you that I remind myself all the time that there are other people in this world and that actually the last thing you should do especially the higher up you go and the more of a leader you become um the very the last thing you should do is try and do it on your own because the more you can empower other people in a business, especially the more leverage you have. Mm-hmm. So I actually go out of my way to hire people who are better than I am and mm-hmm. let everyone know they're better than I am. 
Mm-hmm. And even in emails, if someone asks my opinion, I say, ask so-and-so. Mm-hmm. She knows this better than me. Mm-hmm. And to really mm-hmm. treat them like they're better than I am. Because there's nothing more empowering to someone else than the notion of you get to decide. For sure. For sure. Um, and, you know, it's actually my philosophy of hiring that most people are wired to produce a certain amount. As a hiring manager, it's my job to triple that mm. by making them feel just so happy mm-hmm. and excited, but also empowered at what they do mm-hmm. um, that they they just magically produce three three X, which doesn't mean you're not there as a thought partner. Like if something really serious is coming up and you've had the experience, you're not going to let them, you know, fail. Right. But it's rare that they can't make a better decision than you nine out of 10 times. It also means as if, as if we didn't know already, your self-confidence is very firmly grounded. Exactly. Because it doesn't intimidate you to invite people who know more about a certain thing so that you can get, go forward in a more successful way. I would actually say, thank you for saying that. I would actually say two pieces to that. Cause this is important. Um, I do f- feel self-confident, but it's not like I never have doubt. Right. And when I have doubt, I remind myself that a secure person lets it go. And I want to be a secure person. So I'm not saying I'm so secure that I never have that moment of like, gee, you know, right. <laughs> um, does this feel threatening? But but that but then I say that's a silly thought, let it go. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And so um so so it's it's an active process of overcoming it when it when it does occur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is in the same box, but have you ever experienced rejection? And if so, how, what did you do to overcome that? Overcome this? Oh, all the. I mean, <laughs> I know I always try to act like, oh, it's such an unusual thing, but yeah. it's not. <laughs> I'm trying to think what of a gazillion examples to give you. I mean, the most of course. Well, as a startup, let's put it this way. So here you are. I mean, every single day as a founder, you have your, you know, your highs and your lows, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to make a dent in the universe. I mean, it takes a lot of gall to start a company if you think about it. Um, So there's plenty of rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, right now I'm starting to raise money for my next round. And I gave this a lot of thought. Like, I hate, you know, rejection. Who doesn't? Right. Right. But unless you're really good at taking a no, you're not going to get to a yes. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. by definition, you you know, you hear plenty of no's. And so um, how do I handle it? I mean, I actually tell myself part of the journey is and building your resilience is really getting good at taking rejection. Like mm-hmm. this is and to embrace it, like to see it as something that's just going to make me stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm so grateful for you accepting to come on this podcast. I can't believe that we're all already at the end. I have so many more things I could ask you, <laughs> but I wanted to just tell you, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, and if there's any way, any, if guests are interested and want to know more about you, how can they um, find you? Well, I'm certainly on LinkedIn. I write on Medium, actually, um, but nakedpoppy.com. Mm-hmm. my business, maybe that's the best one because I, 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 uh, I have a voice on there on our mm-hmm. about page. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you again. This was really incredible. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Leslie.
This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.